Well, for the third time, good morning. Staggering numbers you just saw. 258 million people in America have about 320 million people do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. You saw the number 5.8 million people in North Carolina. And the reason they chose North Carolina was because um, that's where the video came from. It came from the North Carolina Baptist Convention. In Illinois, as you heard last week from Tim, 8 million people do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. A staggering 6,400 people groups are totally unengaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Really a huge challenge. It's really great big. But the good news is, is that we serve a really great big God. Now, when you have young kids, you become a good friend with McDonald's. I mean, that's just be honest, the Happy Meals and the, um, and the Playland thing really goes over big. And I'm sure McDonald's will appreciate all the free advertising today. Hey, I try to do my best. So, so you really kind of, you know, you kind of do the McDonald's thing. And, you know, McDonald's, the genius of McDonald's is the consistency of the product. Um, you know, it's, you go anywhere in the United States, and if you order a cheeseburger or a hamburger or a Big Mac, you're almost guaranteed, unless it's just really bad, you're, you're just guaranteed of getting something very, very similar to what you had at home. I'll never forget when we were in Germany. Uh, 1977, 78, 79 in there. And, you know, it was really big. You know, they had great food in Germany. I mean, boy, if you like food, that's a good place to go. But sometimes you just wanted a taste of America. And so we would go down. And, Judy, was that like $20? Okay, now imagine $1977. It would cost us about $20 to get a couple of hamburgers, a couple of drinks, and a couple of french fries. But it was worth it. Because it was that little bit of taste of home. Even though we were in Germany, thousands of miles from our home, we could still, we could still have that same taste. It's a marketing genius. It really is. Now, another marketing genius at McDonald's is the portion sizes. You know, they understood uh, right on that people were kind of frugal and that you couldn't just have one size burger, one size french fry, and one size drink. And so they came up with different sizes to accommodate the needs of the people. Now, for instance, right here, we have this little itty-bitty cup. Now, this little itty-bitty cup is the size French fry that comes in a Happy Meal. And it's designed to have a childlike portion that will be just a route. Mom and Dad said we're not wasting money because they give us just enough French fries for a little giant to have his French fries. So it's designed for children. And then you have this little paper thing here. And this is for the tightwads. Voila. Now, there for a while, they had this on the value menu for a dollar. But now it's about a dollar and 20 cents, I think. Something like that. It's a nice size portion. I like French fries, and so it runs a little bit short. If there are two, gee, you don't know this, but if there are two bags like this in the bag, you know, when we get our food, I have a tendency while my hand's in the bag kind of knocks them off hers. And, and so I get, what it, I get mine plus whatever's left in the bag. Okay, so so that was for kind of like for the frugal people who say, well, I'm a little bit tightwadish, and so I don't want to spend a lot of money, so I get the, this size. And then there's the regular size. Now this is the this is the one that most people get. You know, if you say I'd like this a medium, um, I, I like a, a value meal. You get the hamburger, you get the fries. This is size fries you get. It's for those normal everyday people. They're not children, and they're just like everyday people. And so that's your size. But then there are, then there's this big one. This is the supersize. And this is the cause of supersized people. Okay? This is big. 
I mean, I mean, this is for the people who really, really are in love with French fries. Incredibly hungry, slash, and or you really like French fries. And so you go to the counter, and when you get the value meal or whatever, or you order fries, you say, I want the super size. And sometimes they say, super size me, okay? And for a dollar more, you can get super size. And the idea being, they needed a portion for people who were emphatic about French fries. Now, that's great for McDonald's. That's just great. You know, that's wonderful for food, period. You know, all, all different restaurants, you know, different fast food places, they usually all have different sizing things. They learn from McDonald's. But here's the deal. While this works wonderful for McDonald's and for fast food restaurants, it doesn't work for God. God doesn't have a little commission. He doesn't have a tightwad commission. He didn't have a regular commission. God has the supersized, great, big commission. And this is what we're about. If you ever wonder, well, what really is the church about? We are about the great commission. We are about telling others about what's happened in our lives, what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. But again, it's a real problem. Now, understand, I I just need to be emphatically true with you. This is an American, well, this is a Western Hemisphere problem that we have. When you go to places where there are believers, even in China, where you can lose your life for sharing your faith, they don't understand the concept. They would never understand a person have this size, I want to share my faith, the little tiny child size. They would not get that. And and they they wouldn't understand the people who say, it costs too much to do ministry. I'm too frugal. So give me the, the, the little tiny adult size french fry. They would never understand that it costs too much. They, they would never understand even the regular. I, never, I love the story about the, the largest church in, in South Korea. And some pastors, Baptist pastors, were, were talking to him and he said, so, so how many people do you have on Sunday morning? He said, about 10,000. He said, well, how, how many people do you have on Sunday night? About 10,000. And so the pastor went one step further. The pastor said, well, what about like, and I, I can't remember if it was a Tuesday night service or Wednesday night service they had, but it was one of those two. How, how about that? 10,000. And the pastor shook their head and said, we don't understand this. This isn't true in America. And they said, when you make a commitment to Jesus Christ in, in our country and in this ministry, you make a commitment to Jesus Christ. There's no just getting by. There's no regular. There's not just a, a little appetite. He says, it's just supersized. Just supersized. And this is what God, God's word teaches about our ability and our desire, our hunger should be to supersize and share this wonderful, great commission. So that's what we want to talk about this year. Not, not, just, not just this month. We want to talk about this year about how can we become better in sharing our faith. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You might say, okay, short of, short of the fact that we should obey God, is there anything else? Well, I, I, again, excuse me for being superficial or excuse me for being naive, whatever word you want to use. But, you know, how do we change the attitude towards same-sex marriage? The redefinition, if you will, of marriage in America. We, we can try to legislate, legislate that, you know, pass it laws against it. 
But I think God's way of, of changing the attitude towards same-sex marriage in America, if that really bothers you and it should, is you win people to Jesus. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you solve the drug culture in America? You lead people to Jesus. How, how, do you, how do you lower the divorce rate in America? You lead people to Jesus. And lead them to become fully followed Follower, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's just what you do. And that's why it's called the Great Commission. It's God's great big plan to change this world. And, and it's easier to put signs in yards and stuff. And that's all cool if you want to do that. But I'm just saying God's plan is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So take your Bibles this morning, please. And we'll be here the next uh, several weeks anyway. The next four weeks probably. And a scripture called the Great Commission. Again, not the child size commission, not the I'm frugal commission, not the regular commission, but the supersized, great, big God's commission. Here's what it says in Matthew 28, verse number 16. Then the eleven disciples went away unto Galilee to the mountain which God had or Jesus had appointed for them. Now, let me pause here. Time out. Good Friday. Has come and gone. About 40 days earlier, this was a reality for them. They watched the King of Kings. They saw, they saw their Messiah. They saw the guy they had sold their boats for die on a Roman cross. That's all past. They didn't really even at that time understand fully what we understand through the, through the New Testament about the ramifications of the cross and the gospel. They didn't get that. Okay? But then came Sunday. And Sunday morning, the reality, even though they doubted the reality of, wait a minute, he's not dead anymore. I said he's not dead anymore. He, he's alive. He's alive. And sure enough, he started appearing to the guys, you know, and became very apparent. He ate food. He, he walked through walls. He did all kinds of incredible things. For 40 days, he walked on the earth. And finally, after 40 days, it's time for him to return to the Father. And so that's where we're at. He's got them to a mountain that he has appointed them to go to. And then verse 17. Now watch, this is pretty incredible. It might help you. When they saw him, they worshipped him. I mean, they understood. Again, they watched him die. But they see him alive. That is incredible. The greatest power of the New Testament church in this time was that they saw him die and he's alive. And they could testify and say, look, I saw Jesus die. But I also know this. I saw him after he died and he's alive. I mean, this happened in their neighborhood. This happened in their culture. They understood that. It was just incredibly powerful. But even so, they worshipped. Some still doubted. Their, their humanness got right in their brain. They just couldn't get past what they were seeing. I saw him die. How can he be alive? I saw him die. How can he be alive? And we still wrestle with that today in the modern church. We know what he did for us, but we still wrestle sometimes with those doubts. So to dispel those doubts, Jesus says this. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority. I like the translation of the old King James. All power. All authority. Now, once again, Brent, remember that Sunday? We talked about if I have all your money, how much do you have? None. If Jesus had all authority and all power, then how much does Satan have? None. Okay? All authority governing all things has been given to me, the resurrected Christ. 
All power and authority where? In heaven and in earth. And then he says, I want you to go, therefore. I want you to make, this is what we'll be spending the weeks coming up. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things, whatever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Amen. So that is the great commission. That's the big plan of God. That's the thing we as a church and today's culture have got to get a handle on again and understand why we are here and we are here to see God's kingdom advanced in this world. So we want to start looking at verse number 19a. Just a few words there. Totally ignore your scripture sheet, your sermon sheet, as far as Matthew chapter 18. I want to encourage you and challenge you to study that scripture on your own and see if you can find parallels to God's plan of salvation. That's where we're going to go. God kind of changed this thing this morning. Okay? So, notice he says, go therefore. Let me touch on the therefore. Why is the therefore there? What's it referring back to? All authority, all power has been given to me. You've got a great big job to do, he says, but I'm a great big savior with a whole bunch of power. Because of that, I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you to go. Christianity never has been and never will be a stagnant thing. Constantly in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are on the move. The concept and idea of contentment and comfort and sitting back and relaxing as far as kingdom work does not exist in the Bible. God says we are to go. And what's really cool, and the, and the Greek, um, and y'all know I don't know, the only Greek I know is about a salad that I had for supper last night. Don't know a lot of Greek, okay? But, but it, it's meant since you went, or one translation puts this way, as you go. Now, that's the important part I hear. One journey. Once we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, once we become Christ followers, once we become believers in Jesus Christ, okay? He says, now, as you go, as you do life. That's the incredible part. So often we think evangelism is something that a guy like, when we have brothers come back this fall, that's his job to come and tell us about Jesus, and it is. And, and then, then we have um, hired guys on our staff, and it's our job to tell us about Jesus. Yes, that's true. Okay? Um, it's our job to make sure that when we gather in a building such as this, that the gospel's presented. Okay? That's true. But Jesus didn't say it in those contexts. He didn't say an evangelist. He didn't say professional staff. He didn't say only when you gather in a building. In fact, he didn't say it at all. He said, as you walk through life. And the idea is, I wrote three B words down. Write these down. You know, that includes borders and boundaries and barriers. As you go, you're going to cross some borders. You're going to cross some barriers. You're going to cross some boundaries. If we're going to go, then we're going to have to meet these things head on. There's going to be some boundaries. You're going to have to somewhere step out of your comfort zone. Now, can I be very candid with you? Last week, and, and I, for last week, I can't remember Tim's M or M word, but he said the word form and kind of used as an outline to get a gospel conversation going. You know, you ask people about their family. You ask people about their occupation. That leads into a discussion of their religious past. Now, I can't remember what the M is. Um, back when we did CWT was fire. You had family, interest, and religious, and I think evangelism was the last part of that one. Can I be candid with you? Now, in this setting, I can share the gospel like crazy. 
Okay, but on a cold turkey knock on the door, I still and it, as, as Tim was talking about this, when he got the family, I said, yep, got family. That's right. I understand that one. Got it. You know, occupation. Yep. Yep. I understand. So what do you do for a living? No, that transition from occupation to our religion is still a hard place. And that's why we got this year. That's what we got this year. There are certain things that you can talk about and you have no trouble making that transition. Grandchildren, your favorite sports team. What happened with the Bulldogs at the last basketball game? We have no problem. And what I want to do this year, helping me and helping you, is to so get it ingrained in our lives, that transition becomes very, very easy from family, from occupation, what you do for a living, right into the sphere of God. And how that works. So he wants us to go. He wants us to cross boundaries. He wants us to cross barriers. I mean, there, aren't there some people? Come on, come on, come on. Aren't there some people that you have trouble sharing Christ with? I mean, you have trouble anyway. Again, his number, the number I've heard for years, 90% have never shared their faith. The great, not, not they had little commission, medium, frugal commission, regular commission, or great commission. 90% of believers have never Never shared their faith in Jesus Christ. And his number was last week, 9% never intend to. Never intend to. That's pretty incredible. And hopefully this journey will help us overcome it. So there's some barriers. Now, you know, uh, people living in certain lifestyles, people certain ethnic, people living in certain parts of town, we, we push back. It's a barrier for us. People who's hurt us. People who's hurt us. Those are barriers and borders. Yeah, have you all heard the organization Doctors Without Borders? God's called us to be believers without borders. Believers without borders. Just going where God tells us to go and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty, pretty incredible. He wants us to go. And, and he wants to go and make disciples. What does that mean? Making disciples. Now, again, talking to Christ followers. Making disciples is... Reproducing what God has done in your life in someone else. Making disciples is reproducing what God has done in you in the lives of others. It means whatever God has done for you, and that means forgiving your sins and experiencing His grace, it's sharing to reproduce that in others. And it's really incredible because this is one of the hallmarks of being a believer. Now, we were blessed this week, Wednesday, with a brand new grandson. And, and talking about a mouthful for a name, William Dean Austin Chapel. I tell you, that's a lot of names, amen? They're legacy names. William's a great-grandfather on that side. Dean is my mother's maiden name. Austin was my dad's name, and Chapel's their last name. It's a great legacy name. But I'm telling you what, you know, we didn't get to see the baby very much after they do what they call now the kangaroo thing. And that's where the baby goes on the mother's chest. And they say, oh, yeah, we know about that. No, no, no. It stays there for an hour. You don't even find out the wait for an hour. I mean, the baby just lays there. It's some kind of bonding thing that goes on. I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is all I saw of William Dean Austin Chapel was about that much of his face. It's kind of all because it's up on Sarah's chest. It's all, all smooshed like that. So I didn't, you know, I sent this picture out. I'm going, hmm. Well, Blake had to work. So I was the one who got to go down to the hospital and pick up the baby. So like I walk in the room and, and Sarah says, you want to hold the baby? I said, yeah. So I walk over to the little bassinet thing and look down and there's this incredibly good looking kid. 
I mean, I'm serious. You know, I know, I know I'm the grandfather, but look, I'm an expert at babies. I've seen zillions of them. And this kid's incredibly good looking. And then we're like this said, oh, he looks like me. <laughs> oh, that's it. Now, now listen, listen, listen. I instantly knew that he was my grandson because I saw the image of him and me together. And, and you wait till you see him, you'll go, oh, yeah. Now, you do the same thing. You know, your baby's born, you say, oh, he looks like dad. Oh, he looks like mom. Because when a child is born, the genealogy is carried over. I mean, again, you know, he's got a receding hairline. And not from me, but from Blake. He, he's got dimples. And I've got dimples. And Sarah's got dimples. And Blake's got dimples. And this kid has dimples. I mean, you look at the kid and go, I know he belongs to. That's the way it should be in the world. That we should reproduce, have babies, spiritually. And to lead them to reflect what's in our lives. Now, that puts a responsibility on us to make sure that what's in us is the right stuff. See, that's why it's important. You read your Bible and you let the Bible get in your life and change your life. That's why. That's why. Hugely important. So go therefore, and I want you to make disciples. And, and I want you to do this where? To who? All peoples. And again, getting very impressed, second Greek word reference. You know, ethnos. It's not, it's not nations like Germany and Britain and Canada and Mexico. It's not that. The word ethnos is people groups. It's peoples. And again, check this out. There are 11,342,000 people groups identified in this world. And 6,422 of them have less than 2% of a gospel witness in their people group. And 3,133 have never been engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. All peoples. All peoples. All peoples. And you know, that's what's great about Chicago and St. Louis, these larger cities. You, know, you go there and you can engage multiple, multiple people groups right here in the United States. We have people groups right here in Harrisburg. We have folks that own the Chinese restaurant. We have folks that have, you know, from the, the Vietnam part of the world. We have certainly folks of Hispanic heritage, some from Mexico, some from South America. We have people groups right here. And Jesus says we're to reach all of them. And guess who that includes? Your neighbor. It includes your brother. It includes every one. All peoples. And I'm going to tell you, that's hugely important. That's hugely important. So, what does that look like? And boy, even cutting this thing down, I find myself a little short of time, but, but what does that look like? Well, in Matthew, excuse me, in John chapter 1, and guys, I'm going to go ahead and start with verse 35, okay? Because of time. You know, John the Baptist, he's the professional preacher guy. You know, okay, he's standing there, and in verse number 35 of John chapter 1, it says, The next day, John stood with two of his disciples, okay? And looking at Jesus, as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. He proclaimed who Jesus Christ was, okay? And then the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, that's really cool. John was willing to give his disciples up to follow the one truly worth following. 
They were, he was willing to say, look, I'm just a foreteller. I'm just a guy who's, you know, voice crying in the wilderness. You need to follow the real guy. And we need to make sure that we don't put Baptists in front of Jesus. Or religion in front of Jesus. Or tradition in front of Jesus. We've got to make sure that Jesus is the main message. And so they follow him. And then Jesus turned and said, so um, what, do you, what do you seek? And, and they said to him, well, Rabbi, which is to say, teacher, where are you staying? And you know what Jesus said? Come and find out. Come and see. And, and, they, and they followed Jesus. Now watch this. Verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Remember Peter the rock guy? All right, Andrew and Peter. Now watch this, verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So sometimes it's going to be the the evangelist preacher guy telling people about Jesus. Sometimes it's going to be you sharing those most important in your family. Can I ask you a question? Does your husband know Jesus? Does your wife know Jesus? Do your children know Jesus? Do your nephews, nieces, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, do they know Jesus? So our first mission field, it should be to our brothers and sisters. And he brought him to Jesus. And he simply said, hey, look, you've got to come see who I found. And he brought him to Jesus. Pretty, pretty incredible. All right? And then he said, hey, guess what? You're going to be named, you know, Simon. You're going to be called Cephas, which is a stone. But watch verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip. Oh, did you know God finds us? We don't find God. How cool is that? He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was in this little background. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Well, Philip found Nathaniel, a friend, not related, just a friend, and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And you know what Nathaniel said? Oh, wow, I've been waiting for this. How incredible. Here, I'll come follow you. No, no, Nathaniel goes something like this. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, Nathaniel, instead of embracing, okay, what Philip said, said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is kind of like the, the bad part of town. Nazareth was, a, a, you know, a, day, a country part across the tracks. Nothing came out of Nazareth. You know, nothing good. You know, Brooklyn, Harlem. Can anything good come out of Harlem? So, so, so can anything good come out of Nazareth? And you know what Philip said? I have all the answers. I know everything. I've been to seminary, and I know Greek, and I know Hebrew. I can read the original languages. I know everything. Just bring your questions to me. You know, Phil basically said, don't know. Just come see. Just come see. See, you don't have to have all the answers to talk to people about Jesus. All Philip knew was that he had found the Messiah. He wanted his friend to know that. And so just come and see. Come and see. He let Jesus answer the questions. Now, now you might say one more thing. You say, Dwayne, why? Okay, okay, besides the obedience factor, again, why is this so important? Well, a couple of months ago, we were preaching through the, the, God, you know, through the Bible. And um, on a Wednesday night, we taught from 2 Thessalonians. And I found a scripture. Now, we're going to come in the middle of a sentence. Okay, that's why it reads the way it does. 
But it's really a good scripture. It says this in verse number eight. Talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. In flaming fire, taking vengeance, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not, do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the, here's the knockout punch. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Wow. Everlasting destruction and the glory, separated from the glory of his power. You know what that means? That means that every person, and the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that no person is without excuse. So every person who refuses, rejects the gospel will spend eternity, eternity, everlasting destruction. In other words, it's not fry daddy, you're frying, you're gone. Everlasting destruction. Separated from God in his presence. Every person without Jesus suffers that fate. That's a pretty good motivating factor. There are two, really. One is because you've experienced this. You've experienced this. You've experienced the wonders of God's grace and forgiveness. That's incredible. That's cool. That's good. That's one motivation. Any, any, that should be enough right there to make us tell others. But the other is that. That image of hell. People dying forever in a place of punishment. Totally Separated from God. You know, Tiffany, you indicated that you know, God didn't seem to be there. All of us have gone through dark times when God didn't seem to be there. Imagine God not there. And not for a day, a week, or a month. Have mercy. is right. And that's the fate of the world without Jesus. And you can debate in your brain if that's fair or not. I'll, I'll let you worry about that. But I'll tell you this. What makes it fair is... Is that God doesn't care what color you are. He doesn't care what, where your economic status is, what part of town you live in. You know, he loves the world. The deal is, if anything's unfair, it's that we're not doing our job. Forget going to Africa. We won't even share with our friends. That's what's not fair. That's not a guilt trip. Not a guilt trip. I will tell you this, as your pastor... My prayer is for our church that by December the 31st that we'll have more people willing to share their story of what God has done for them with more people. That's where we're going this year. And, and for some of you, it's going to be just figuring out that, that link I said from occupation to religion. You know, that's where you need to be and you're off and running. For some of you, we go, Dwayne, I haven't even handed a track out. It may, you know, it may begin with you and I'm not being funny. It may be taking a track Going to the men's bathroom and laying it on the urinal. That's a start. It's a start. It's a start. See, our job is not to save anybody. We're just mouthpieces. We're just mouthpieces. All we have to do is be willing and lead the rest up to God. So it really is. I hope you remember this. It really is a supersized Great big plan of God to change this world. 
And it involves a sacrificial death, a glorious resurrection, and a great commission. Now, all you've got to do is be willing to do this. It's real simple. As a Christ follower today, would you be willing to say, God, if you'll help me, I'll do it. If you'll help me, I'll do it. I'll do it. We used to practice something called faith promise giving. It worked something like this. God, if you'll put in my hands an extra thousand dollars this year, I will give it to missions. It was incredible how that worked. I mean, it's just incredible. Well, this is kind of like faith promise witnessing. God, as you give opportunity, as I have opportunity, I'll trust you to help me. And you know what? He will. He will. Would you bow your head right there where you are? Now, of course, if you're here today, and maybe you're one of those that never has made that commitment to Jesus Christ. You, you never became a Christ follower. You never answered that call where Jesus walked into your life sometime and said, follow me. And it's never happened for you. Maybe today's that day for you. I can't say it enough. It's not religion. It's not church. It's not rule keeping. It is a relationship with the God-man who died and resurrected three days later and lives today. A historical fact. And if we can help introduce you to our best friend, our Lord and King Jesus Christ, we want to do that today. Incredibly. My friend Brother Brent will be standing out front. And we're going to have everybody bow their heads and stuff. And there's nothing magic about coming forward. It's just like he's got the information that you need. And he wants to share it with you. Won't embarrass you. Won't do that stuff. But we'll pray with you. And tell you what the Bible says about how you can call God Father. How you can have sins forgiven. How you can experience His grace. Pretty cool. But isn't it truthful? The message really was for the bulk of us who call ourselves Jesus followers. And you may want to come to the altar. And that's, that's really cool today. I want, I want you to know that. That's really cool. But maybe right there, you just want to say, okay, God, I know it's just you and me, and there's maybe more power in a public commitment, but it's between you and me. God, if you'll help me this year, I'm going to be, as I journey through life, a better sharer of the best news I know. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to share it more. Now, I need your help. I can't do it. God, I am an introvert. I am scared to death. But God, if you'll help me, I'm going to trust you. Would you make that commitment today? Would you be willing? We're going to spend a whole year together talking about this. Now, if, if there are other decisions, like perhaps you're a Christ follower, but you've never been baptized, uh, we're going to talk about that next week. But maybe you'll come and tell Brent, hey Brent, I'm a Christ follower, but I, I, Tim gave that testimony about baptism. I need to do that. Cool, come on down. Maybe, maybe God spoke to you about becoming a part of our church family. That's great, come down. Brent will tell you all about that. Maybe you need a fresh start. Not be resaved. But you know today, you know, God, we're not as close as we used to be. I need to come home. And Brent can help you with that too. We love you today. We really do. And we want you to know and experience the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks, Father, for the opportunity that we have to share today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the celebration of the building. 
Thanks for the incredible music we heard today from God of this city to the choir song to Tiffany's song. Our hearts were stirred, God. And we want to thank you for that. For my friend here who might not know Jesus Christ as Savior, could today be that day, Father, would you find him? Would you let him hear your voice, God, and may they respond to your voice? And for all of us, God, may we embrace this supersized, great, big plan of yours to change the world. Will we step up and be the plan A that you want us to be? Thanks, Jesus. And we pray in your precious name. Amen.